All right. 2 Corinthians 4.13. I'll start reading for the sake of time. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. Now let's find out where Paul gets this statement from. Psalms 116, verse 10. Verse 10. I believe, therefore I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for bringing us all here, God, for this moment and this week. It's truly historic, and the legacy continues, God, here in Victor Outreach, Hartha Bay, Hayward, God. It continues. So, Lord, help me to transmit what's been transmitted to me. I learned faith, God. I caught the spirit of faith from my pastor. And so, Father, let that be transmitted tonight. Because if we're going to go to the next level, if Hartha Bay is going to go to the next level, it's going to take people of faith. Bless your word now in Jesus' name. Everybody says amen. amen. One thing you have to understand is this. The kingdom of God is a faith environment. The way we access and move about in the kingdom of God is through faith. And when it comes to faith, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith. Now faith. Faith is always for the present and not just for the past. Faith is always for the now. You, the situation you faced six months ago, it was that now faith that got you through that situation. The situation you'll face in two months from now will be that now faith. And, and you have to realize that faith is always for the now. As a matter of fact, faith is not a trophy of the path, past, but it's a triumph of the present. It's not a trophy of the past, but it's a triumph in the present. Faith is always for the present. It's always for the now for what you're, de- what you're dealing with. Hebrews 11 1 says that. Now faith. We see in the Old Testament when God fed them manna, he gave them specific instructions in Exodus 16, verse 19. He told them, don't keep more than you need. Don't keep some, don't store it up because if you do, it's going to go bad, it's going to go rotten, and it's going to make you sick. God was trying to teach them faith for the day. Why? Because every new challenge requires a new sacrifice. You can't live off of old sacrifices. You can't live off of old faith to get you through the season you're in now. You need now faith for today. Can I get an amen? Every new season requires a new kind of faith, if you will. Now, it might be the same old faith. Like, for instance, when I first got saved, having to believe God for $100 took faith. And I'm telling you, we just bought a building uh, for a million dollars. It took the same faith that it took to get a belief for $100 and it did for a million dollars. What's the difference? It's just I have to have the now faith for the million, the same now faith that worked for the $100. Can I get an amen? It's for the present. So when Paul says we have the same spirit of faith, it's little s, not capital S. It's the same thing when Pastor Steve was talking about, about Elisha and Elisha. When Elisha Ask for a double portion of Elijah's spirit, it's little s. It's not, it's not the spirit of God, it's his spirit. What is his spirit? It's his attitude, it's his, it's his faith, it's his persona, it's his courage, it's everything about the person. So when Paul says we have the same spirit of faith, 
He's referring to David, my friend, the same faith that we're talking about tonight that what? Destroyed, killed the bear, that destroyed the lion, that destroyed the Goliath. Paul says that same spirit is flowing through mine's and yours blood. But how do, you, how do you get that, my friend? Listen to me. The principles of faith are taught, but the spirit of faith is caught. The principles of faith are taught, but the spirit of faith is caught. You've got to get around somebody to catch it. I can teach you principles of faith, and all that's going to do is give you head knowledge. But it's the spirit of faith getting around somebody, getting around a Pastor Steve, a Pastor Steve Pineda Jr., my friend. you got to get close to him. You're not going to catch the spirit of faith from just reading T.D. Jake's books. I'm sorry. You're not going to catch the spirit of faith from just reading Joel Osteen's books. And I'm not hating on them. I love their material. I caught faith because I got next to my pastor. I caught the same spirit that flowed through Pastor Sonny, that flowed through him. I caught that same spirit, my friend. Because principles are taught. But the spirit of faith, it's got to be caught. And the way you catch it is you got to be around it. You got to be next to it. You got to be near it, my friend. Paul says the same faith that David had, that same spirit, that same tenacity, that same attitude, that same persona about David, Paul says it's flowing through us. It's the soul, it's the way David thought, the way he feels, his attitude. It's the same thing Elisha told Elijah. I want that same spirit you have. Because, you know, I, I say this a lot. Many of us are so deceived and that, and I know I sing the songs too, God, I want more of you. God, I want more of you. And the reality is God doesn't come in sizes. You're not going to get any more of God than you got when you first got saved. I don't have any more of Jesus now than when I did when I first got saved. What's the difference? There's just less of me. Oh, you missed it. God's not like Starbucks. God doesn't come in tall, venti, or grande size, my friend. God, the same God you got when you were saved is the same God you're going to get you have now, my friend. And so we go looking for this outer experience, this outer manifestation, when the reality is that it comes from within. And as the outer dies, guess what? The inward man manifests. The inward spirit manifests through us. So then technically, yes, there's more God in us, but really there's less of you. Some of you discouraged, you say, give me more of you, God. He's like, just die. <laughs> die. Die. Die that self. Die that mentality. Die that attitude. Die that selfish way. Die, and you'll see more of me in your life. Like John the Baptist said, I must decrease what? So he can increase. If I want more of him, why are you asking for more of me? You don't want to change. You still want to act the same way. You still want to sin? You still want to do your thing asking for more of Jesus? Really? Shut the front door. You're tripping, bro. <laughs> you are tripping. And you wonder why you're so discouraged. Because there's all this teaching that goes out there that discourages Christians, and it just messes them up because they think they're going to get more of God being the same person. Then you're all frustrated, mad at the church, mad at God because he didn't do this and do that. He was like, no, I wanted to show up big in your life. You just wouldn't die. You just wouldn't die. You weren't willing to decrease so I could increase. Are you with me? And so I caught faith for my pastor. 
What you're in right now, you're in a faith environment in this church. You, you can't help to, but to be in here and catch some faith. Because pastor's moving in faith. I know he picked up pledges. You pay your pledge? You ain't caught the spirit of faith yet. Oh, it just got quiet in this Presbyterian church. Hello, somebody. It just got quiet. You know what I've realized? I mean, you know, it's so funny. The older you get in Christianity, we think we become more mature, you know, we become more reserved. And then we start hating on folks that are just radically saved. And then we get all, you know, try to make them all doctrinally. And, and I said before, I think the church sometimes, we're, we're, we're too liberal about things we should be a little legalistic about. And then there's some things that we're too legalistic we should be liberal about. And I'll take a person, a person any day with misguided, unrealistic, mystical type of faith than a person with no faith. Give me a person who's just willing to believe any day, maybe a little misguided, maybe a little bit over the top, maybe a little mystical than somebody with no faith. Why? Here it is, my friend, because it's easier to tame a wild horse than to resurrect a dead one. You could tame a wild horse, but it's hard to resurrect a dead one. I don't know about you, but I think there's some folks here that got some faith. Yeah, you may be a little misguided. I like those kind of people. I like the young people that says, Pastor, if you say we can do it, we can do it. Yeah, it may be over the top. I'm going to have my, all my exegesis in order, all my hermeneutics in order, all my homiletics in order. But if God says it, I believe it, and I'm willing to be tamed. I'll take anybody, any day with some misguided faith than a dead person with no faith. Any day, give me a misguided person that I can tame in the ways of the Lord than trying to resurrect a dead person with no faith. That's why the church has to keep winning souls. You know why? Because it's easier to have new babies than to resurrect dead ones. I've learned that. I was telling someone the other day, I know why Pastor Stephen, Pastor Sonny, yes, it was to win souls, yes, for the kingdom. But folks these days are unloyal. Folks are so wishy-washy and with you one day, leave your church the next day. They had to keep fishing to keep filling up the house. They had to. Because there's folks you can preach to all day. They just, they're just dead. So it's easy to have new babies. And guess what? It's more fun having new babies. Yes, I said that. Amen. Yes, I did. It's a lot of fun having new babies. That's why I got a holy hottie with an accent. Amen, somebody. I'm going to go home and say, girl, do your hair like that one more time for Papa. <laughs> just one more time. Just, just one more time. Come on. I even put my hoodie on a break dance for you if you want. That's it. You know why? Because I love faith. You know why? Because faith people, you can't tell if they had a good week or a bad week. Because their praise looks the same when all hell's breaking loose as it does when they just got prayed. Their faith looks the same. Their praise looks the same. Their face looks the same. Hello, somebody. In a bad week as it does in a good week. But there's some folks, oh, my Jesus, look like you sucked a bucket of lemons before you came in this house. 
And pastor's like, are you happy? Yes. Can you go tell your face then, please? To get with the program? Can you tell your face to come along on this journey with us? Because that thing don't look happy. That thing don't look stirred up. Lift your hands. Okay. I had a bad day. No, but faith, people, my friend, it don't matter what they went through. It don't matter what happened. Their kids can be going crazy. All hell can be breaking loose. Their praise looks the same when it's bad as it is when it's good. Ah. You can't tell the difference. Are you with me? And they realize they can do more with God than they can by themselves. It's like the story of a little boy who, his dad was a farmer, and his dad raised eggs, chickens, right? And so he's collecting his harvest, and he's going to the local store, and the little boy's so happy to go with his dad to the store. And the dad's talking to the son, saying, yeah, we've got to sell these eggs because, you know, we've got bills to pay, we've got this to take care of. And the little boy's like, yeah, but he's been there a few times, and all he's thinking about is the penny candy jar on the counter where dad pays, pays bills at. And so he's there with the dad, and dad is there doing his business, his transactions, and the kid's looking at the jar. He's just fixed. And the sign says, penny candies, whatever your hand could grab, go ahead and grab it. And so the dad there seeing the son, the son's just fixed. He's just fixed. He's just fixed on these candies. And the dad, because he loves his son, says, okay, son, I'm going to bless you with some candy. Go ahead, get a handful. So the dad pays a penny, and the little boy goes to grip, grab the candy, and he stops, and he goes back to his position. And the dad's looking at him like, what's wrong with you? And he's still doing his business, and he keeps looking at him like, I told you, get the candy. But the little boy's like, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. And the dad, you know, sometimes your kids are undecided. You get all frustrated. And then finally the dad just goes, ah, oh, gosh, come on, come on. Let's go. Let's get out of here. And the dad's all mad, and he's upset, yelling, and the little boy is just smiling. <laughs> he's just happy. And he says, why, why, why didn't you get the candy when I told you to get the candy? I'm, I'm, I'm making a sacrifice for you, son. He said, Dad, because I realized I could get more candy with your hand than my hand. And that's how faith people are, my friend. They realize they get more with God on their side than just trying to do it themselves. God can do more for you than you can do for yourself. Let him grab it. The guy I seen jump the gun that didn't want to wait for the right person. I was thinking about the other day. I talked, me and Pastor Josie were talking about the other day how many folks we've seen come and go that aren't around. It was decisions, wrong decisions. So let me give you some principles of faith here to help you comprehend this. Quickly, we're going to move, move through this fast. Number one, faith must be professed. In other words, people of faith. They have a talk about them. I remember one time I was with a pastor, and I forgot what we were talking about. And I said, you know, pastor, what if that doesn't happen? Because there was my analytical mind again. He goes, what? We were in his car. He says, forget if. Forget if. It's going to happen. Because faith people, they, they profess it. Romans 3.22 says this. It, it, in Romans 10.9, it actually says as well that faith must be what? Confessed. If you believe in Jesus, you're going to confess it. 
See, faith in Jesus. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the door. He's the door. And I'm going to say there's some, some folks here tonight, you keep standing in the middle of the door. Like, you ever had a visitor come to your house? And especially during the winter, Sacramento's cold in the winter. And then they come to your house and knock on the door, and you're like, hey, what's up? And they stand right in the middle of your doorway. And what do you say? Either you're going to come in or go out because you're letting all my heat go, bro. Either get in or get out. Or if it's real hot in sack and your AC's jamming and they come knocking on your door and they're like right in the middle of your door, like, come on, bro, either come in or get out. But I might tell someone today, either get in through Jesus or get out. Stop trying to play in the middle of the door. Either get all the way in or get out. Get all the way in or get out. If you want to go to hell, go to hell first class. That's what I would do. This, this journey is too tough. If I'm going to go to hell, I'm going to go first class. I'm going to be the best sinner there can be. Jesus, you need to have faith in Jesus. Now, here's the thing. The problem with why we struggle in our relationship with God is because most people, you read the word as a story. If you read the word from the perspective of a story, that leads to religion. But if you read the word from the perspective of he's a person, that leads to relationship. See, you read the word and go, what a great story. No, that's Jesus. That's what the Bible says. And it says in 1 John 5, 7, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, the Holy Spirit. Wait, I thought his name was Jesus. No, Jesus is his earthly name. He's always been the Word. He's always been the Word. And so when you read the Word as a person, that, relates, that leads to relationship. If you just keep reading it as a story, that leads to religion. So what am I saying? See, it's not just enough to know the Word of God. But do you know the God of the word? What changed me is the word. My prayer life has not been perfect, but I have become a student of the word. Because it's one thing to be a Bible student, and guess what? I never really went to Bible college, but I chose to be a student of the word. Not just a Bible student. I love Bible. Go, go for it. Great. Go knock yourself out. But it's another to be a student of the word. And why folks don't change is because you know the word, but you don't know the God of the word. Like, for instance, let's just go there. Because you all quote it. Who the sun sets free. No, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, you know the truth, then why aren't you free? Let's go there. We're going to go deep. Because these preachings bug me today. And I, always, and I know my own life. I know what the word says about this issue, but why ain't I free? I know what the truth says. Why ain't I free? You know why? Because I'm not truthful. If I'm not truthful about my issue, and I keep calling my sin a mistake when it's really a sin, Jesus didn't die for mistakes. A mistake is falling short of man's standard. Sin is falling short of God's standard. So if I just keep making mistakes, I don't need a savior. I need forgiveness from man. But if I sin, then guess what? I need a savior. And if I'm truthful about my sin, then he can forgive me of my sin, and that will set me free. The problem is you're not truthful. You're not truthful about it. No, I didn't do that, liar. I tell you all the time, I can't help you if you're going to lie to me. 
I can't help you if you're going to be truthful to me. I can't help you if you're going to lie to me. Not even God can help you if you're going to lie to him. If you keep calling it a mistake, that's short of man's standard. No, sin is falling short of the standard of God. Jesus died for sins, not mistakes. So are you saved? Because you keep calling, oh, pastor, I made a mistake again. You're wanting his forgiveness. But what about his? He ain't going to take you to heaven. These guys ain't going to take you to heaven. He didn't die for you. I didn't die for you. I got to call it for what it is, what it is. Pastor, I sinned, and I sinned good, but I need need a Savior who forgives sins. Are you with me tonight? The word and faith people, it must be professed. See, I think there's some things even more that too many of us, you've been talking to God about it when really you need to start talking to it. Jesus didn't tell the disciples, talk to me about the mountain. Tell me about your mountain you're dealing with. He didn't tell them, talk to me about your mountain. What's the mountain in your life? He didn't say that. He said, start talking to the mountain. If you believe, just start speaking to the mountain. The problem is, many of us, why are you not seeing breakthroughs? Why are you not seeing things happen in your life? Because you keep talking to God about it when God's saying, you got to start talking to it. you got to start calling that kid saved who ain't saved. you got to start calling that bill paid that ain't paid. you got to start calling that house yours that isn't yours right now. you got to start calling yourself healed that you're not healed. you got to start calling yourself a man of God that you might not be there. you got to start calling it, my friend. Start speaking to it and stop talking to God just about it. I think God gets sick of our prayers sometimes. Oh, God, do this. Oh, God, do that. Oh, God, do this. Oh, God, do that. He's like, would I hear you? Would you just start talking to it? I didn't say talk to me about the mountain. I know about the mountain. You talk to the mountain. But you don't want to look ridiculous. I've learned you got to do the ridiculous to get the miraculous. The miraculous I've had in my life, it's because I was willing to look ridiculous. We don't want him. Oh, that's silly. Then why did Jesus say talk to the mountain? Why? Just to, let's, that sounds good. Let's just put it in the Bible. Talk to the mountain. I know nobody's going to really talk to the mountain, but it sure does sound good. Let's just put it in the Bible. What's wrong with you? If he said, talk to the mountain, talk to the mountain. Speak to it. Call it for what it is. Oh, but it sounds so silly, but I don't really believe it. So what? You start saying it enough, you'll start believing it. You start calling it for what it is, you'll start believing it, my friend. Because faith works both ways. Faith works in the positive, and faith works in the negative. If you don't believe it, guess what's going to happen to you? It ain't going to come. If you don't believe it, that's faith. That's faith. That's faith to believe it's not going to happen. Faith must be professed. Number two, faith must be possessed. Galatians 3 verse 7 says this. Notice, therefore, that those who possess faith are true sons of Abraham. It must be possessed. The word possessed, watch this, means to be taken control of. Now, I hate scary movies. I can't stand them. I don't like them. I don't go there. I don't mess around. 
I don't like anything. I've experienced the devil firsthand too much. I've seen everything on those movies. I've seen firsthand. I've seen a lady hop off the ground this high on her knees. I've seen a guy downtown Sacramento call me out that I know from nobody and called my name out and then trans his face transformed in front of me to something else. Everything you see on Devil's Advocate, I've seen that firsthand. So I don't need to watch movies to experience it because I've seen it firsthand. But I do know this. How is somebody possessed? So if Paul says in Galatians, these must have the same spirit of Abraham possess a spirit of faith, how does somebody become possessed? You know what it is? They open themselves up to certain spirits. And how are you going to possess the faith of this house if you don't open yourself up to the spirit of faith in this house? How are you going to be possessed with faith, the spirit of faith that I'm talking about, if you don't open yourself up when your pastor says, step out in faith? When your pastor says, come on, we're going to trust God. Come on, I, I want you to do this. Believe God. Trust God. Step out in faith. If you're not in range, if you're not in range to him to say, come on, let's do this. You, you, if you're always closed-minded and critical and negative, oh, how are we going to pay for that? How are we going to do that? How are we going to make that happen? How is this going to happen? If you're not open to the spirit of faith, you can't be possessed by the spirit of faith. See, because Romans 10, 17 says this. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But do you know what that means? We all, we all quote that. We all say that. And yet we struggle in faith. Why? Because, see, you think faith is about seeing. That's not what Paul said. Faith is about hearing. So let me give you a glimpse of what your future looks like. Your future don't look like what you're seeing. Your future looks like what you're hearing. And if you're not hearing the word, that's why it's hard for you to see anything in the future. Hello, somebody. S sound will always precede manifestation. Let me prove this to you. What you hear will always precede the manifestation. I'll prove it to you. Elisha's praying. He's praying for rain. He sends his servant Gehazi to go look. Nothing, nothing, seven times. All of a sudden, he sees a little cloud there. And then what does he tell me? He says, go tell King Ahab by a, a, a cloud the size of a man's hand. He says, he didn't say, I see rain coming. He said, what? I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Not that I see rain coming. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. You know who's mastered this? Hollywood. Watch. Hollywood has mastered sound precedes manifestation. I'll give you a picture. There's a guy. He's walking down the street. It's a cool day. It's a nice day. He's just walking down the street, and you hear like, da 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 He's just walking, and you're like, yeah, something's going to happen. Cool, all right. You're like, you're waiting like for the party to happen, and you're waiting for him to meet some girl or something like that because, you know, it's not so much what you see. But then you take the same guy, same motions, same facial expressions, same scenario, same picture, and take the music, that music out and put this. 
You know Jason's going to come out and hack some fools right now. Can I get an amen? Not based on what you see, based on what? And you wonder why it's so hard to get into your word. You wonder why it's so hard to study your word. You wonder why it's so difficult to learn this thing and become a student of it because if the devil can keep you from hearing the word, he can keep you a person of no faith. And you keep going, I see this, I see that, I see this, I see that, I see this. You see everything in the natural, but you're not hearing what God's saying because sound always precedes manifestation always always so again if you don't like what your future looks like change what you're hearing not what you're seeing because I just proved to you you can see the exact same scenario and based on what you hear breeds expectation of what's coming next what are you hearing for hard faith I'm hearing harvest I'm hearing harvest. I'm hearing harvest. But some of you don't hear that because you're not ready for the harvest. You haven't got your net ready for the souls that are going to come in this place. You haven't found your post. You haven't found your position because you're still like, well, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. No, I've already seen what's going to happen. I've already heard what's going to happen on Friday and on Saturday. Your pastor's already heard what's going to happen on Friday and Saturday. There's going to be a great harvest to come into this church. Are you ready for it, my friend? Or are you still seeing in the natural? That's not Pastor Steve. He heard things before we even heard it. Because faith comes by hearing Hearing by the word. Number three, faith must be pleasing. Hebrews eleven six. Let me ask you this. You ever ask God this question? Is the faith you have right now, does it make him happy? Nobody ever asks that question. Ask him. Some ask that question my church. I don't know. Of course, because you haven't asked. All you got to do is say, Papa, is the faith I'm exhibiting, the faith that I'm living, is it pleasing to you? And you won't ask that question because you think you're going to hear, sell your house and give it all. And I don't want to do that. No, I can't do that. Give $1,000 to this. You, you think in terms of that. That's how I was. That's how I thought. I had a hard time sharing my life to Jesus because I thought he was going to send me to Africa. No, 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 amen, Brother Will and Dana. <laughs> this is before anybody was in Africa, Amen. This is before, before people spoke English in Africa. Amen. I, 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 that was the way I battled with. He's going to send me somewhere. I'm not a missionary. I like cheeseburgers. <laughs> I got to be honest. I've traveled the world, and the food ain't that good. Like, in and out, and nations. Hello, somebody. I'm not a missionary. And to think God would ask me to do something that I'm not, that's not God. But all of us need to ask God, is the faith that I'm living now, is the faith that I'm exhibiting now, see, because there's two types of faith. It, there's rational faith, and then there's, there's a radical faith. You know what rational faith is? Rational faith is 
this is what I can do. But radical faith says, this is what he can do. See, when pastor picked the pledges, the first thing went through your mind is, what can I do? That's rational faith. It was your bills, it was your budget, you looked at this and that. Same thing in my church, because the building pledges, everyone thinks rational. What can I do? That's what you can do. But radical faith says, God, what can you do, God? What can you do? What can you do, God? See, that's the kind of faith that God's looking for. That's the kind of faith our pastor had. A radical faith. Fourthly and lastly, faith must be also peaceful. Don't tell me you're in faith if you're stressed out. Don't tell me you're in faith. Romans 5.1 says that. Therefore, being justified through Jesus, we have peace with God by faith. Don't, don't tell me you're in faith if you're stressed out. See, because what is the opposite of fear? Everyone will say, majority will say fear. I mean, excuse me, what's the opposite, what is the opposite of, of faith? Everyone will say fear. No, it's not. It's not. The opposite of faith is doubt. Fear, watch this, is the fruit of doubt. So if fear has a fruit, so does faith. And the fruit of faith is peace. So you're telling me you're in faith, you're telling me you're trusting God, and you ain't got no nails left. And you got high blood pressure to the roof. And it's not just because you lost salt. Shut up. Amen. You're telling me all this and that, and you're in faith, and you're all stressed out, anxiety, almost ex experiencing bell palsy. I had a guy tell me, I pray, Pastor, I pray. And I'm like, well, who the heck are you praying to if you're so stressed out? Would you please tell me that? It doesn't make sense to me. Because when I pray, when I connect with God, I cast my burdens. I give it to him. I feel peace that comes upon me. I'm not stressed after an hour of prayer. I'm not all anxiety-filled after connecting with God. No, you're not in faith. You're in fear. The opposite of faith is doubt. And the fruit of that is fear. My wife and I, so time ago, we, you know, we had some investment properties and we lost them when the housing thing mess, messed up and so it messed my credit up. And she had this minivan for years and we were saving some money and I told her, let's go. I was praying and the Lord told me, like, it's time to get her a new car. Go get her a car. And so I was praying and we went to this one place, looking at the car and there was nothing in there. And then we got to this one dealership and we got this one, looked at this car and when I got there, I felt peace. I felt the peace of God. And I looked at her. I said, I feel the peace of God. She said, I do too, but I don't think we can get it. I said, let's just do it. Come on. So I go in there talking to the guy, negotiating with him, right, as if I got like a paper credit. And we don't even talk credit. We're talking price. We're talking this and that. So we, we negotiate a price. And then he says, okay, what's your credit? I said, <laughs> he said, what? You're, you're going to even get a subprime loan with that kind of paper. And I got mad and said, it's not your money. Just submit it anyways. What do you care? You ain't the bank. Just do it anyways. Just like that because I felt peace. And he submitted it. And God was mad when this came back and goes, I can't believe Wells Fargo gave you a loan. <laughs> he thought like I had some connections or something. And I walked out of there because I felt peace because I started.
stepped out in faith. Don't tell me you're in faith if you're stressed out. You're stressed out, you ain't in faith. You're in yourself. When the Bible talks about carnal faith, it's not talking about someone not saved. Carnal faith is somebody who depends on the five senses. Taste, smell, touch, hear, and feel. Because you make decisions based on the thing you, in, the, in, the, in the natural. So let me close with this. I know someone's saying close with anything. I'm going to. I need a couple volunteers. Aunt, I need you. You already know. Toby, I need you. Will, I need you. I'm looking for the, the tallest. Where's Geronimo? Get up here, Geronimo. Wherever you're at, hurry up. Come on, brother. Run up here. No, get up here. Up here, guys. Up here. I need one more tall guy. Who's tall? John. Good. Come on, John. Hurry up. Run, 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 run. Let me read you this scripture. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 says this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but the mighty God are pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I hear people all the time, I want to get the devil back. You ain't get him back? Just be obedient, the Bible says. You punish disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You're there binding and this and that. I bind you, Satan, and you go sin right away. Like he's tripping off that. I bind you, devil. I bind you. I bind you. And that's not even talking about, that scripture isn't even talking about prayer. It's talking about church government. He told the apostles, whatever you bind on heaven, in other words, if you tell somebody you deal with them, I'll support you in heaven. If you loose them, I'll loose them in heaven. That's why you don't see people dying when they lie in the Holy Spirit. You did the book of Acts. Why? Because the leaders of this generation don't take those sins as serious as that generation. So when Peter and them said, how dare you lie in the Holy Spirit, God bind what they bound on, on earth, killed them over dead. That's truth. He bound what they bound. So Ananias the fire dropped dead. So here the scripture says, our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. What are arguments? Arguments are facts. How many know we all deal with facts? But do you know a fact? You say, well, facts are truth. No, it's not. A fact is wrong if it comes against the truth of God's word. Then he says, high things. I got a lot of high things in my life. I got this high thing called being broke. But I don't have a poverty mentality. Because being broke is different than having a poverty mentality. Broke is only for a season. <laughs> broke is only for a season. We've all been broke. Paul said, I've learned to abound and be broke. Hello, somebody. Poverty is a mentality. So I've got poverty. I've got my family. Because I got a big family, you know, my family. Mom had 10 brothers and sisters, all crazy, with a big past. Then I got my wife. <laughs> and she had glasses too, just like John. <laughs> then I got my health. My health has been lying to me lately. Once you get over 40, amen. Then I got this guy. He's just whatever, amen, this is whatever. So the Bible says, I need to learn to cast off arguments and high things. Because here's the thing, and the way it happens is your thought life, your mind. 
And if I don't do it, turn around and face me, guys. Surround me. Make a circle. They block my view. They block what I can hear. And they take me captive. But when I'm on the word, this guy right here, watch. Come here, Augie. This guy, and this guy, and this guy, and this guy become this guy's size. <laughs> and he's not that bad. I can hop over him if I tried. <laughs> I can get over him easy. He's not that bad. And how is it done? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. See, because if I don't take my thoughts captive and make them like this, they're going to keep me in bondage back here. And there's so many believers that are in bondage because this thing, this one, this one, this one, this one keeps them captive. And so the Bible says, here it is, watch. Open the door. Stay there. Come here, Augie. Watch. Faith comes by hearing. So he comes by hearing. Watch. But this is the second part you don't realize. Faith also goes by hearing. Don't laugh. It comes by hearing the word. It goes by hearing the world. Faith comes by hearing. And my faith goes by what I hear too. It comes. And it goes. It comes. And it goes, and it comes, and it goes, and it comes, and it goes. So again, as they make their way down, give them a hand. As the piano player comes. The problem is not what you're seeing. The problem is what you're hearing. If you don't like what your future looks like, it's not about what you're seeing. It's about what you're hearing. And because I got close to that man, Pastor Steve, I caught faith. I caught that spirit. I caught that spirit that said, send out churches. I've sent out four already. Send out missionaries. Raise up the church. I caught that. I caught that voice that says, you're going to follow his steps. I didn't know I'd be the regional over his church. I didn't know that. But I just heard it. I heard that voice when I saw others quit that said, you can't quit. You can't quit. You can't quit. I caught it. And I had to learn faith. I had to learn this word and become a student of this word to get messed. This is not something I got in a book. This is illumination and revelation because I read the word. When I read it, I'm saying, this is my Jesus if this is who he is, the Bible says, as he was on this earth, so are we. He spoke to the mountain. I can speak to the mountain. Elisha raised someone from the dead. I can raise someone from the dead. You're not going to believe me. I don't care if you do or don't. I have proof. Pastor David Gonzalez of the city. And of all places where it happened, in Cal Berkeley. 
Pastor David and I were at a football game waiting for my brother. I'm a big Cal fan. My brother-in-law has season tickets, and he, he said, meet me in front of the stadium, and I have some tickets for you to go to the game. And me and Pastor David were there, and he was taking forever because he was in the bar drinking. <laughs> and I was mad. I was like, what God? And I started like, man, come on. And the game was getting ready to start. And all of a sudden, this man walked in front of me in these stairs. And when he took the first step, he went back. And his eyes rolled back. And his, I've seen someone die. And his eyes started changing colors. And I, right there, I got down under there. And I put my hand on his chest. And I'm in Berkeley. And they're not too afraid of Jesus. And there's thousands of people around. And I put my hand on his chest, and I said, in the name of Jesus, it's not your time to go. And I just started speaking. I didn't even know what I was saying. No, you were called to live. God's not done with you yet. And all of a sudden, his eyes started going back, and they started turning green again. And he went like this. <gasps> just like that. <gasps> the breath of life came back into him. And his daughter is there crying in the middle of the most liberal city. A man of dying, God said, no. Why? Because this little chubby kid, hello, somebody. Chubby, that's right. Was willing to hear when God said, start speaking faith over him and call him alive, though he's dying. Is your faith pleasing to him? Or is it only what you can do? Stand to your feet. You've been hearing legacy all night. The legacy of this house is faith. The altars are open. Come quickly, come. Come on, there's some ministers here. There's some pastors. You're struggling. Come on, step out in faith. Humble yourself. Come on, that's it. Come on.